good morning, everyone. Uh, always a joy to bring the Word of God uh, to God's people. Uh, I just love taking communion. Always a good time to uh, reflect, examine ourselves. And uh, now we're going to get into the Word, so let's uh, pray before we get into it. Lord God, we thank you for this time uh, in this book that you have given us, the book of James. Lord, how you use this man mightily. And Lord, how you use us today, we do pray, Lord, that we will understand the text, make it clear to us, spirit convict us, uh, give us joy as we go through it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week we're going to dive into a passage that will shock us. We're going to observe James' first illustration, and it's not a pretty picture. If you ever looked at a painting of war and, and said, man, that picture right there is sad, all the violence, people killing each other. The anger, the blood. Well, we know that many of them uh, died in that war. And so today, James is going to illustrate for us a picture of a dead man. And we're going to observe just what this man looks like, what this man uh, does, what this man thinks. But we're also going to see how great our God is. We read this morning, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we're going to see just how alive he is even today and how those that ask him for wisdom are also alive. So today, that is the title, Asking God for Wisdom. And it's going to be something we need to remember until the day we die. So let's recap, though, before we get into today's lesson. So last time we got together, we discussed the importance of thinking wisely about trials. What should our attitude be? Who remembers? Our attitude should be one of joy. Good. Whenever we face or encounter trials, an attitude of joy. We're commanded to have this wise mindset. And we know that trials will come for believers. They certainly will. But it shouldn't shock us. We know as believers, those who seek to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we saw that in verse 2, right? Having this attitude. Now, the question for us, though, since that last time we met, have you been considering it all joy? When you meet trials of various kinds, how has your faith been lately? And then we saw verse 3. We have to have the right approach. Who remembers? How do we have the right approach to trials? What should our approach be when we encounter a trial? It should be based on what? Start to a K. Yes, you could look at the board. Oh, it's not there. Knowledge. Knowledge. We need to base... Um, during these trials, we need to base our faith on the knowledge that what? We know that the testing of our faith produces, what does it produce? Endurance. Yes, endurance. What's, what's uh, another word for endurance? Who remember? Patience, steadfastness. Good, good. All right. Yeah, perseverance. That's the key one there. So believers need to endure or persevere to the end. And so then we spoke about verse 4, our aim. What should our aim be daily when trials come our way? We need to what? We need to submit to God, right? It's not an easy thing to do. But we should be motivated because of the outcome of trials. What was the outcome of trials? I know this was two weeks ago, but what was the outcome to trials? When we go through them, we will be perfect and complete. The last part of the verse, lacking in nothing. Okay, so this should bring us joy that God is maturing us, right? We're going through this process of sanctification. 
We're going to grow to maturity before the return of Christ. And that should be our, one of our main objections or uh, objectives in life. All right, so for today, we're going to see um, a couple things. We're going to see some characters in our text. Uh, obviously, the verses, we're going to dig into it, some applications, and then our quiz at the end, so be ready. Remember, don't turn that page around. Just, just wait until the end. All right, and so let's discuss these main characters. There are three main characters in this passage. Um, why don't we read our passage, and we'll uh, examine each character, and then we'll look at the verses. So James 1, uh, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so who are the three characters, maybe without looking at the PowerPoint? Who are the three characters here? God, yes, the wise God, uh-huh. The wise man, we're going to see that, the person praying, asking for wisdom. And lastly, the foolish man. Yes, there is a fool here. Uh, that is going to be the man who doubts. So we'll talk about that in a second. All right, so we're going to see that... Um, each man here, or each character, has some characteristics. So the first one, the wise man, we're going to see that he is a humble man. We're also going to see that God is a giver. He is generous. He is gracious. And then we're going to see how the foolish man, he is a proud man. So we're going to dig deeply into each one. Let's start with the wise man. Now the wise man in our text has certain characteristics about him. Right? He is humble because he recognizes his need for wisdom. Look, where, look at verse 5 again. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. All right? So there's this person that James is uh, addressing that if you know you need wisdom, ask of God. And so this wise man in our text, he's going to recognize he needs wisdom. Right? He is a creature. God is the creator. And he is in great need. He knows he is not fully grown. He has much growing to do in his walk. He knows also that he has trouble considering it all joy when he encounters trials. He is an honest man. He is not afraid to say, I need help. I'm a needy sheep in need of wisdom from the good shepherd. And so he is a man of prayer. He fears the Lord. He has camel knees, if you remember what we said about James. And he's praying daily for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I need wisdom. And so he wakes up daily praying this. God, help me in my decisions and how I lead my family. Uh, when I work, where I'm supposed to work, how I spend my free time, who he befriends, right? Where should I live? He is active in his walk and he listens to the call to ask God for wisdom. And he prays in faith. All right, so the wise man, we also see him in uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. This is what wisdom looks like. Who is wise and understanding, right? That's the question that James is saying here. And then look what he says. Let him, right, let the wise man show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness. Um, and so what do we see about this wise man? He is someone who is gentle, Someone 
who um, has good behavior. And so uh, I, I want to know what you guys think. What does a wise person look like? What does a wise person look like? Think about character. Think about character. Not so much knowledge and how much they know. Yes, very good. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. Slow to speak and quick to listen. What else? What does a wise person look like? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, they're over there. Yeah. Humble. Humble, yes. That's the main characteristic. Uh-huh. Okay. Gentle. Gentle. Yep, yep. Good, good. So have you guys ever met a wise person before? Someone that is uh, obeying the Lord, loving the Lord. So yes, all these characteristics we're going to see in a little bit um, about the wise men when we get into our text. All right, let's uh, transition here to the wise God. Now, there's plenty to talk about, about our Lord. But we see that a couple things here. God gives to all. Where do we see that? Go back to James 1. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him acts of God, who gives to what? Gives to all, right? We'll get to generous in a bit, but right now we're talking about how he gives to all. He is the one that gives, right? In James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God, the Father of lights. And so he is the God that also gives generously. Now, the word for generously, it can be translated simply or absolutely, right? In the context of James, if you continue reading, we're going to read about the doubled-minded man, right? The fool. God is not doubled-minded, right? He has a single purpose. And so this is a contrast between humanity's half-hearted generosity with God's full generosity, all right? He doesn't, he's not confused about his giving. He continually gives and, and he loves to give. He knows what he's doing. We also see that God gives graciously, right? Continue reading that verse. Who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And so, he is not embarrassed if you pray for wisdom for more than a hundred times in your life. He's like, oh no, this person keeps asking for wisdom. No, 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 that's okay. He is patient with us. He doesn't say you're beyond grace, no more wisdom for you. No, he gives wisdom. So let's explore uh, we're going to explore those truths a little more later, but uh, actually right now, let's, let's look at it. God gives to all. So we can briefly just read that and say, all right, he gives to all. But what does it mean, right? First of all, it means there is no partiality with God. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. God says he gives to all. And so he is the giver of wisdom. We can have confidence uh, when we pray this prayer, God, please give me wisdom. He will give it, right? But let's keep it generic for a second. What are some examples of God giving to us? How has he provided for you? What would you say some ways? Of course, wisdom, but what else? He's given us life, yeah. What else has he provided? I mean, some clothes. I mean, we're all here with some clothes on, yep. What else? Health, yeah, a lot of us, yep. Able to breathe right now. Mm -hmm. There you go. God's revelation. Yes. He's given us the Bible. And so what I'm trying to get at is we know that God has common grace. Right? He has given to all so much, more than we deserve. If you read Matthew 5, 45, he lets the rain fall on what? 
the just and the unjust. And so people have food because God has provided. And we can praise God that he gives to all in a general sense. But later as we get into the verses, we're going to see uh, there's a condition to answered prayer. All right, so we'll get into that in a bit. But for now, remember that God is the great giver. Now, another observation we made was that God is generous. And so the wise God who generously gives continues to give. He gives us wisdom every time we ask, right? Um, it's not like once in a while, all right, I'll give him wisdom this time. No, no, no. When you pray and you ask for wisdom, he gives it. And he continues to give it. And we know that we have plenty of trials, so we're going to continually be asking God, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And he's going to continually give it to you. All right. Uh, let's move on here to God's gracious again. This is really important for us to just sit back and think about for a bit. Um, he doesn't reproach. Now, when you look at that word, he doesn't reproach. It means that God is gentle with you. He doesn't look down on you. He doesn't say, here comes Kevin again asking for wisdom. No, he doesn't mind you going to him repeatedly for wisdom. He knows wisdom comes from him. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. So he knows he's the giver of wisdom, so he knows you got to go to him. And so we continually go to him. And, and ask yourself, have you been going to him for wisdom in secret prayer lately? It's, it's so important to be asking God for wisdom because when we try to do it on our own and say, you know, I know what I'm going to do, it's, it's pride, and, and we'll get into that in a bit. So the foolish man, some characteristics of the foolish man now that we're on this third character for today. In our passage, he's going to be a person that doubts God, right? He doesn't approach him in faith. He is a fake. He is a phony. He is doubled-minded. He has one foot in the world and one foot in the word. He hears the word, but he doesn't follow it or abide in it. He is unstable in all his ways. He doesn't have an aim to glorify God. His attitude is not one of joy in trials. It's an attitude of anger. Do you guys remember the four steps? Does anyone remember the four steps that we... It was, I know, it was two weeks ago. It's kind of hard. Um, what's the first step? You could have this attitude of anger. What's the second step? I kind of forgot it too, so you can help me out here. Annoyed, okay. What about the third step? You accept the trials, right? You're just like, yeah, I know. I should, you know, be okay during this trial. And then the fourth one, you consider it all joy, right? You're praying through it, and you know God is with you during these trials. And so this is like the fool in our text today. He is someone that has anger during trials. He is not happy. He lacks not just wisdom, he lacks salvation. And we'll make that argument in a second. Uh, I'm going to argue that he is a dead man. All right? So I hope examining the characters of our passage before we got into it is going to help us out. So let's get into our text. Now, we already read the text. Um, but as a reminder, uh, we're going to have a couple of points for us to uh, dig into today. So number one, the importance of prayer. Right? That is going to be huge in this time in the book of James, the importance of prayer. Number two, we're going to see that illustration of the fool. Remember, James is very artistic, and today we're going to see one of his first pictures that he's going to paint for us. And number three, the instability of the fool, right? Um, uh, I'm, I'll make a reference to this later, but have you ever sat in a chair that was wobbly, and you're just like, oh, this chair is broken? That's kind of like what this fool is like. He is unstable, all right? So, 
let's dig into the first one here. The importance of prayer, and we're going to see it in verse 5. Look at verse 5 again. It says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Okay, so let me ask this question. Why do we need to pray? Why do we need to pray? What's the point? God knows what we're going to pray about. But why do we need to pray? What would you guys say? Of course, yes, yes. We, we need to make our requests known. Why else do we pray? Yeah, we have a relationship with God. That's how we talk to God. We, we need to pray if we're going to talk to God, yes. We love him, he loves us. If you speak to your spouse uh, throughout the day, that shows that you, know, you care for her. Imagine not speaking to the God of the universe that you're in a relationship with. Why do we need to pray? It builds up our faith. That's kind of more what I'm looking for. So, yes, um, we need to pray because, like I said before, we are needy. We need help. The more we understand that, the more we see, I need to pray a lot more than what I'm praying right now. Um, you know, during this time of preparing for this message, I was very convicted once I got to the end because I said, man, I really need to pray more. I am needy. You know, I am great need. Um, and so we'll get into that. But, if you notice the context in verse 4, look at verse 4 again. Why do we need to pray? Look at verse 4. Let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete. And look at the connection here. Lacking in nothing. How does that connect to verse 5? Well, but if any of you lacks wisdom. So yes, we are lacking something. If we were completely, fully mature, right? None of us would be lacking, but we're not. We are immature at times we are needy because we haven't been fully grown and so we need to see that we need to grow we need to pray because we lack wisdom what's the last time you got through a trial and you were either angry you were just accepting it, like oh man I'm rolling your eyes kind of thing or you were annoyed by it let's be honest maybe this week maybe this morning on your car right here um, you can easily get annoyed and so we need that wisdom daily we need to humble ourselves and ask God for wisdom, right? The word here is, is the command for us. Remember, there's 54 imperatives. Uh, this is another imperative here. Ask God for wisdom. This is our third imperative, and it's in the present active tense. It's everyone's duty to do this, to pray. And so the believer needs wisdom to see his trials in a positive light that's going to profit them, like Daniel said, uh, grow in the faith. Um, and so... As we're thinking about prayer, we've got to take a step back here and remember James, right? James is writing this, and he's, he's a Jew, and he's thinking not so much about wisdom as knowledge. He's thinking wisdom as related to the practice of righteousness. You know, how do you live your life? You know, this uh, Saturday, yesterday, we were in the book of Proverbs, and there's a way to live your life in the book of Proverbs, and, and there's this wise way to do it. And so wisdom is this moral discernment that enables the believer to meet life and its trials with decisions and actions consistent with God's will. And we know Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of such wisdom. And so the wise man, he recognizes that he is morally accountable to God in all his decisions and actions in life. And so prayer, it's so important to us for our sanctification. And we remember what James, Mr. Camelme said. He prayed and prayed so much. You can never pray enough, Right? Even if your, your knees were <laughs> bleeding a little bit, it's okay to pray that much. We need more prayer. 
And so if you're going to see change in your life and others, you need to be praying. So ask yourself, how has your prayer life been lately? And I remember one of my uh, former pastors, uh, maybe 10 years ago, he would just ask me that simply. You know, I say, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. And he's like, oh, how's your prayer life? And it's like, man, you need to hear that. You need to hear that question. Because um, so many of us can get busy uh, in, in the worries of life, right? So how's your prayer life been? Now, something uh, that I kind of want to just hear from all of you. What are some ways that you make sure you pray daily? What are some things that you do that say, okay, this helps me to remember that I need to pray? What do you guys do? Um, we read his word. Yeah. Mm. Good, good. So when you're reading the Bible, it's almost like automatic. Oh, snap, I need to pray after I read this. So very good. So if reading the Bible, you're most likely going to be praying. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And some of those radio channels, like, Family Radio or, or Caleb, they have like um, like a prayer time too that they're like, all right, and they're praying and then it's like, oh, son, I, I need to pray. But even music, music, if you're listening, uh, singing to the Lord, you're kind of already praying in a sense, but it's going to help you in your prayer life too. Good. Yeah. Uh, Psalms 3, in the morning when I sleep. Mm, very good. Yeah, I, I know a brother of mine, um, uh, brother in Christ, first thing he does, he goes into his room, locks the door, and he spends an hour with God there. Uh, just no distractions, no phone, just praying in the morning. I, I'm not a morning person, but it's, it's really good. It's really good to do that. You know, take some time out um, by yourself. Some people go to a mountain, I don't know. Some people go to an isolated area. But yes, all good ways to remember to pray. And so the next question is, oh, you have one more? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's good. Those notes, I know some apps remind you, or if you have an Apple Watch, it gives you a little buzz. Oh, snap, this is the time to pray. <laughs> so you could do that too. Yeah, you could get creative. But as long as you're praying, that's the key. Um, so what is the outcome to humble prayer? What does the text say? For those that ask God for wisdom, it will what? Yes, wisdom will be given to you. God gives us wisdom. We notice here there's a sequence of giving. We ask God for wisdom, and God will give it to us, right? So keep asking. He'll keep giving. This should encourage us to pray for wisdom. The future indicative places God on record that he will respond favorably when we turn to him in our need. Think about Matthew 7, verse 7, right? What's it say? Ask and you shall receive, yes. And so if you're asking for wisdom, God's going to give it to you. Now, uh, a convicting question is, do you pray more for the things you want or for the things you need it's really important for us to start seeing our need and say yes I, I have a lot of wants preferences but what do I really need pray for those first before you get to the other stuff another way of saying that God is giving to all generously is that he's providing uh, for his people in what they need right the present tense of the participle sets forth God's generous nature as continually giving God is giving today tomorrow the next day, he's always giving, 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 giving. Um, I don't know if you know someone that's just always like, I don't know, maybe my, my dad or someone, oh, or my mom, 
let me get a lollipop or give a toy to Sophia. And they're just every day just giving a toy. I'm like, we, we can't have that many toys. I'm sorry. But here's the thing. God, every day, giving you wisdom if you're praying for wisdom. Every day. Um, he is super generous, right? There's no one. You can't um, be more generous than God, all right? And so we can be encouraged that we can boldly come before God with our requests. But there is a condition. What's that condition? To answer prayer, you need to what? Yes, we need to have faith. And so we don't really think about this much because you're like, Kevin, I'm a believer. I have faith, all right? So excuse me. No, 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 but we need to remember this truth. Um, God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked, right? You could read that in Proverbs 15, 29. And so what do we see here? We see an appetizer to the theme of true faith versus false faith, right? Right here in chapter 1. Later in chapter 2, it really gets deeper. But that's the main event. But here we have an appetizer, and it should remind us for our need for Christ. Without his righteousness, we would have been wicked with no true faith. And let's be honest, we were all once wicked, right? We were saved by grace, and now we could uh, um, boldly approach the throne of grace because of the finished work of Christ. And so believers, we must ask in faith. Otherwise, it's a fake prayer. We must pray without any doubting. So we're going to get into that whole issue of doubting. But for now, why don't you turn to Hebrews 11, uh, one book to your left. Look at verse 1, because we're, we're saying we need to pray in faith. Well, what is faith? Well, verse 1 tells us in Hebrews 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then look at verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so faith here is the wholehearted attitude of a full, unquestioning commitment and dependence upon God. There's this desperate dependence. God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And so in this chapter, we see many examples, if you look at Hebrews 11, of people of faith. So how do you, how do you ask God in faith? You know, what does it look like? Well, look at Hebrews 11. During persecution, during uh, mocking, um, getting beat up. So many different trials of life, they were trusting in their Lord. And so they believed God's word was true. question is, do we? Do we come to him saying, I believe in your word. I believe you're here. You're with me. We must. There is no acceptable prayer without faith. So our second point, and I know I got to go a little faster here. The illustration of the foolish man. The foolish man is identified as a man who doubts. This isn't talking about a person that has questions. It's talking about someone who doesn't believe God. Look at verse 6 again of James 1. It says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts, here's our illustration, is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. All right, so this person doesn't think God is right. He doesn't trust him. And we know that doubting is a sin because it's saying, well, I know better than you, God. This fool, he has more faith in himself than he does in God. He doesn't think God is in control. If we make the argument here, we would say he isn't a believer, okay? Uh, so James illustrates for us what this fool looks like. He uses um, one of his first similes, right? 
using a comparison with like or as, uh, as. Look, look at here. It says, he is like the surf of the sea. All right? And James, we know he's familiar with the Sea of Galilee, right? the eastern shores of the Mediterranean Sea. And since he grew up in Palestine, and so he writes that this fool is like the surf of the sea. And it's not talking about this gentle wave um, that a small child can jump in. No, he's talking about the normal hard waves at Jones Beach, right? This word wave, it's not just an individual wave. It's a series of waves. It continues in its chaos. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, the ocean. You know, I went fishing uh, this summer. And if you go in the ocean, there's waves, waves. There's, you know, sharks and fishes all around. Um, there's this constant just wave after wave after wave. And so this man uh, that doubts, he is just driven and tossed by the wind. And so the present tense of these two participles portrays that there's this continual impact of the wind upon the sea. So you pictured this doubter as insecure, unsteady as a boat that, that is rocked in turbulent seas. And so can you picture it? I don't know, has anyone ever been on a boat? Get that seasickness? Just this is what it looks like, this doubter, just back and forth, right? And so he has no uh, stability. Uh, if you notice the water, it, it's, it's always going to get hit by outside forces, right? The wind and whatnot. And so the doubter, he's just hit by the outside forces. He's lacking a firm inner will. And so let's go to uh, the instability of the fool. Oh, the outcome of frightful prayer. Look at verse 7 here. So we see that this doubter doesn't finish the race of endurance. He doesn't even get halfway. So what is the outcome to this? What, are you, what do you see in verse 7? What's the outcome of this doubter? Verse 7. Exactly. The outcome of prideful prayers, he will not receive anything from the Lord. And so we notice something strange about this doubter or this fool. He seems to be religious. He's praying, right? After all, but he isn't a person of faith. His prayer wasn't made in humility. And when we don't trust God, we're being prideful. James is telling us that those who doubt should not expect or suppose. That is the next exhortation in the letter, right? 54 imperatives. Here's the other one, but it's in the negative example for the first time. He is telling those that do not have faith in God that they should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now that sounds a little harsh, but this is the truth. They need to stop faking it and humble themselves. And so we observe a sequence of doubt. We have the sequence of giving. This is the sequence of doubt. Those that do not pray in faith surely will not receive anything from the Lord. But in the sequence of doubting or rejection, um, we see that it's the opposite of the sequence of giving, right? So if you don't have faith, then you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. If you do have faith, you will receive from the Lord. And this is not talking about, um, you know, it, it, there is common grace. It's not about uh, you're not going to receive anything from the Lord in the sense of like food or provision. It's talking about what you're praying for. And, and so this person is not going to receive that. Um, if you're not sure wh where I'm getting this interpretation from, James 4, 3, uh, there's going to be a group of prideful people praying, and it says they shall not receive, uh, for they ask with wrong motives. And so what we see here in this uh, text is a, a contrast of two men. We have the wise man who will receive, and we have the foolish man who will not receive. 
If you look at James 1.12, remember our key verse? Look at James 1.12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so we see a contrast. We see some that are receiving, and those are those that love God. And then here we see that they're not receiving, and those are those that do not love God. Right? There is that comparison. And so the outcome of prayer Uh, The outcome of prideful prayer is they will not be answered. All right, so we're just going to jump to the end here. So the instability of the foolish man, um, what you need to know about that is double-minded, the Greek word of of, uh, the weak. Uh, We're going to see that dipsuhos here, it's a rare word in the New Testament. It appears only here, and then uh, chapter 4, verse 8. What does it mean? It means two-sold, one soul to God, the other soul to the world. And so it's someone that's like an adulteress, right? They're cheating on God. Uh, this person, one moment says, I believe in God. And then the next moment, eh, I, I don't believe in God, right? They have this doubled mindedness to them. They even have this war inside them, right? Imagine having two souls or two hearts, right? It, it's just continually beating uh, back and forth. And then you got the other heart. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It, you're just unstable, right? And so divided uh, this person has a divided mind being torn in two directions. Um, he has, maybe you can think of it, two opinions, right? One is telling him this, the other one's telling him this. There's just so much chaos going in his mind. Um, all right. Yeah, we got to jump. So let me answer this question uh, just because we're pressed for time. So some of you might ask this question. Is it okay to doubt? Well, it depends what you mean. There's a difference between being unsure of what God is doing in your life, right? You can think of the Psalms. If you look at verse, uh, chapter 42, 43, why are you doing this, God? Oh, why, oh, Lord? And there's a difference with that and thinking God can't do something, right? Doubting God in the sense of, I don't think you can do it, right? There's this pride, this arrogance. And so what is one reason to ever doubt God? There is none, right? We have no reason to doubt God. And so this will be our last time of interaction. What are some examples in Scripture that you can give me that remind us that we need to trust God? What are some examples? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, an example of God coming through. Give me an example that God said he was going to do something and he did it. Abraham, okay, very good. What about uh, Egypt, right? He promised that he will save his people, uh, the Israelites, out of there, and he did. And so we have no reason to doubt God. But here's the question. How should we respond to those that are currently doubting, right? We do have some people that are doubting. How do we respond to them? Remember, James, he used to doubt like this too. And we all did at one point. We have to be patient with those who doubt. If you read Jude one twenty two, that's what it tells us to do. And so unbelievers are known for doubting because they do not know God. They do not have the Holy Spirit. Believers, on the other hand, they need to be encouraged to keep trusting in the Lord, to remember how God has provided in the past. And one day of doing that is reminding them of the gospel and how the Lord saved them. All right, so our two applications here, and we'll close here. Uh, number one, uh, pray fervently. We will not have a wise mindset about trials. Um, 
if we do not regularly pray. So that's why we need to be praying, 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 praying. Keep praying. Are we acting like the wise men that we should strive to be? Are we constantly humbling ourselves and seeing our need for wisdom? Do we recognize the importance of prayer? Are we praying daily? Number two, pray faithfully. We need to be praying faithfully. Remember, there's a condition to answer prayer, and that is we must have faith in God. But have we been acting like the foolish man we once were? Have we begun to doubt God in difficult trials? We need to repent and remember that he is worthy to be trusted even in the face of death. And we know Christ did that. He trusted uh, God the Father in the biggest trial of them all. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that um, you are so good to us. You are the wise God that we can come before every day. Help us, Lord, to trust you and learn from you. Uh, and pray for wisdom daily. Lord, we ask you even right now, Lord, give us wisdom even during this time of, of worship. Uh, Lord, be with us. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.